Hi, it's Lou, and welcome to our uh, story that I'm giving you a detailed analysis of being a real estate investor. And this is week six, where we're going to talk about trusts and probate. Yeah, baby. Welcome. Welcome. I hope you are having a fantastic week and we definitely have some exciting news to share with you today. You know, we like to start with wins of the week and things that are going on. Definitely. There's a lot of things happening in real estate. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about China and all these kind of things, but I've got some details that I'm going to give you a little bit later. And now I wanted to just start with uh, some wins that we have. And, uh, Yeah, baby. All right. Well, sure enough, we have some exciting things going on. And one of our licensees, uh, not licensees rather, but one of our path to home ownership clients was successful in his bid to become a platinum member this past week. So our congratulations to him. I'm going to show you some pictures on him and, uh, a week ago, I was also at a guru summit where we had some very amazing people there from the real estate community, as well as other communities. And I was uh, very fortunate to be able to spend some time with Mr. Frank McKinney. I don't know if you've heard of Frank before, but he builds spec homes. And I'm not talking about the everyday spec homes that a typical builder would build like a tract home or something like that. We're talking about multi-million dollar, imagine this, multi-million dollar speculative homes. So he finds a lot, he sometimes rehabs houses, he finds them and then he spectacularizes them and makes them just incredibly beautiful. And sure enough, in fact, here's one of his homes and his home's this is a $20 million home. Imagine that. And that is uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or somewhere South Florida there. And he's just um, amazing at what he does. And he has so many unique features to the homes. Well, people with that kind of money just absolutely can't resist. They have to buy it. It's a unique signature home that he creates himself. And so, Sure enough, it was great to spend some time with Frank. I have been to two of his spec home uh, spectacular openings where he invites some very high value customers to come to those and, uh, and learn about, um, you know, a potential home that they might buy or of his services. And one of the projects that Frank has is to dovetail your professional and spiritual highest calling and he has Caring House Project Foundation. And this is a foundation project of his. And certainly coming from where I did, where I was raised in apartments by my single mom, uh, we were all by ourselves and we didn't have any support. And there's lots of people around the world that are in abject poverty compared to you and I. It's amazing that anybody in this country would have anything to complain about. <laughs> And I'm even talking about people that aren't in such good, good shape in this country are still in a lot better shape than a lot of people in this world. And so when you really get into other parts of the world, you can see the 
dire need for our involvement in their lives. Can you advance that? And here's Frank, for example, uh, feeding a young child in Haiti. So he found Haiti as a place to uh, that was in dire need. And of course, there's hurricanes that come through there regularly and earthquakes. So they have lots of troubles there in Haiti, in addition to just not having a very big economy. And so here I am with Frank, and it was uh, just great to spend some time with him. And he did a bunch of shout outs to me from the stage. So that was very wonderful of Frank to do that. And I am someone who has, or we, I like to use the collective we, because you are part of our family as a certified affordable housing provider offering the path to home ownership. And definitely we like to support uh, projects that make sense. So side by side, kind of rich to enriched, uh, uh, to the left is Frank's latest $30 million home. And to the right is a house that he builds in Haiti. Now this little house uh, is a concrete house and it houses eight people. If you can imagine, that doesn't look like a lot of room, but it houses eight people in a house like that. And in fact, what they do is build villages of these houses and people like myself and all of us, we make contributions to build those villages. This is an example of a village. And in fact, this is halfway there last March when I bought two houses for that village. And now we have met the goal of all 30 houses have been funded now. So that village will be built. And I'll probably go down there and visit that village at some point and we'll be able to see all the families that have been helped. So definitely uh, I bought five total of five houses now for that village. So certified affordable housing provider is heavily exposed and uh, represented in this village. And I'm very happy that we were able to be a part of that and to make a difference in Haiti and that part of the world. And for a lot of families there in Haiti that need help to be able to have a home and raise their families in. All right. Well, I guess that's the wins video. Um, we are going to talk about wins of the week as well. So not only have we made a contribution to help people end up uh, in a home of their own, but we also do it here in this country and we do it through our path to home ownership program where we help deserving families, regardless of credit or financial background to end up with home ownership. So let's take a look at a video of, some slides that I have. And let's see here if I can bring this up. There we go. This is a house that, uh, that a trust that I'm familiar with uh, owned in Illinois. And we acquired that property, in fact, through a student. A student wanted to raise some cash and had this house 
free and clear and said, Lou, uh, will you buy this property? And uh, we decided to buy the property, had a tenant in place, a paying tenant in place, and we just uh, made an investment in that property. So sure enough, uh, also putting this gentleman on our path to home ownership program. And of course, as we always do, we look at our rents every year and it was time to raise the rent. And we notified him of the rent raise and he decided that he is interested in purchasing home. I said, let's talk about your credit. And he said, I think it's good. I said, why don't you just go down to your local bank and see what they say? And then we can create from there. Well, sure enough, he did. And uh, this is our latest path to home ownership client. And this is Mr. Uh, Bill Henderson. And congratulations, our latest path to home ownership platinum member, uh, Mr. Henderson, for having purchased your home uh, there in um, Edwardsville, Illinois. Highland, Illinois, actually. So what happened was, and this is our Path to Home Ownership membership program, and there's four levels to this program. And in fact, if you have good enough credit or good enough down payment, you can start as a homeowner in our program. But often what happens is that people join us and they build up their credit and they build up their down payment to end up being able to qualify for a loan at the bank at low interest rates. So that is the pinnacle, so to speak, is low interest rate loan from the bank. Uh, the next one down from there is our in-house financing program. Now that's a higher risk loan in that we don't require as a typical bank would 20% down, or we don't require PMI, private mortgage insurance. We just have the in-house financing, which requires a minimum of 10% down. And that is equivalent to a mortgage in that they're paying principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, building up their credit, building up their equity in the home while they're with us. Now, some folks don't have the required 10% down, so they start at the 3.7% level, and that is our rent to own level. And that's a great level when people have a budget constraint. And then of course, the uh, bottom line there is the rent at the rent level. And that's where Mr. Henderson was. So fortunately, he was able to qualify for a loan at the bank, and he was able to end up right there at the top of the path to home ownership. Now, just for the numbers on this, and as you can see, we bought it for 115,000. We didn't pay any closing costs on that. And we sold it for 199.9. Again, not paying any closing costs. The only adjustment to the closing statement was the property taxes that were our responsibility for that part of the year. So congratulations to Mr. Henderson, congratulations for purchasing that property. And here's the numbers here. So the trust bought the property 115,000. The trust rented the property from June of 2016 until uh, September of 2021. And that was 63 months times 1100 average, that was 69,300 in rent minus about 12,500 in property taxes, 3,000 in insurance. I brought it down to 53,800. Mr. Henderson took care of all the repairs during the time of his occupancy. So we didn't really fix anything during that time. And the trust sold it to him for 199.9. 
on September 29th. And so the trust profits were $84,900 plus the rental net of $53,800 for a total of $138,700. So now you can see how our business model works is that we teach you as an entrepreneur to offer the path to home ownership. And as you can see, this is a long distance deal for us. We're located in Atlanta, Georgia, and this was in Illinois. So sure enough, we were able to help a deserving gentleman to end up with home ownership with our program, even long distance. So this is a great example of that. All right. Uh, one thing I thought would be a good tie-in to the win of the week for Mr. Henderson is to just let you know just what a backbone of real estate investing that you are out here in the world. Because guess what? You make up the majority of investors in real estate in America. So look at that. 73.7% of all the rental properties in the country are owned one to two properties. 73% are owned um, by individuals. And then 3.3 to 7 properties, another 17.8%. So what does that add up to? 90%, over 90% of the real estate, the rental properties in America are actually owned by investors, which I think is pretty cool. And then you go on to the next level, which is eight to 20 properties. That's 6.3%. And then you go 21 to 50 properties. That's 1.7%. And then 51 to 100 properties, 0.4% of all the investors in the country actually own 51 to 100 properties. And then over 100 properties, 0.1%. So if you might have been thinking that the hedge funds are buying up all the properties and that they're going to own America, well, let me just tell you, they got a long ways to go because they got to buy up all these individual and small mom and pop investors before they can rule the world. So I thought it would be interesting for you to learn that you are a backbone to this country and you as an entrepreneur offering the path to home ownership program. What a great thing. And as a result of your offer to help people and making a difference in their world, you have an exit strategy and you have a payout as you just saw in the example with Mr. Henderson, that the income during the time he was there and then the payout when he purchased the property. It's pretty nice. Now think about how many of those that you would need to actually build an amazing retirement for yourself and your family. So definitely considering becoming a certified affordable housing provider makes a lot of sense and offering the path to home ownership program locally makes a lot of sense. So I encourage you to look at that. And uh, today, we are going to focus on number six. Now, so we've got our, our 10 things to become a real estate investor and then 10 things to focus on. And one of them revolves around trusts, protecting your assets, 
creating protection for everything that you do by through privacy. And you've got the profits that can come from investing in real estate using trusts. And the other thing is probate avoidance. Well, interestingly, that uh, that's something that you can't get with any other entity. But first, I just want to cover the protection that can come from using trusts. And that is <laughs> avoiding lawsuits, because let me tell you something. Look at this civil cases. This is 2020 federal cases only. This is not counting the state cases. Uh, civil cases up 16%, immigration cases up 28%, contract dispute cases up 16%, Americans with Disabilities Act cases up 63%. So just know that things can happen out there in the world and you want to protect yourself as much as possible. Um, and one of the things you got to keep in mind is that who knows what attorney you're going to have to be defending yourself against and what kind of judge you're going to get. So better to be safe than sorry, better to not get sued in the first place. And a way to do that is to do good business, number one, and number two, put yourself in a position to protect yourself because you never know who's on the other side. You never know who might be out to get you and really not anything personal. They're just out to get what you got, but they don't want to do what you did to get what you got. They just want what you got. So, so you want to set yourself up for success. And let's take a look at a thing called probate. Now probate is the process by which the court system takes the assets of the dead person and distributes them to the rightful living heirs. It sort of sounds like kind of a Robin Hood thing, doesn't it? <laughs> Take from the rich and give to the poor. But what the court system does, and all 3,300 counties in our country have a court system or a district system or a circuit system wherein they cover and do probate within that county. And probate is something to be concerned about because it's definitely a, uh, a challenge that happens out here in the real world. And something to be considered is when those assets that could have been protected are not protected, they are subject to taxation. So when they're passing from the dead person to the rightful living heirs, you may think, well, the estate is too small to be taxed. Well, let me tell you something. That is a, uh, a, a, uh, a moving target because it really depends on who is running the show in Congress. And we all know what happened in November and we all know who's in charge right now. Well, you might be interested in knowing that in 1997, those same kind of folks were in charge. And as a result, the estate tax exemption was only $600,000. Well, for some people, think about your parents, think about your grandparents, their single family residential home may be over $600,000. Well, what happened was not, there was an exemption, but anything over that was charged 55%. Now imagine paying taxes all your life and owning things, and then your kids have to pay 55% taxes. Well, there's some people that 
haven't found a tax they don't like, right? So they take rob from the rich and supposedly give to the poor, although I'm not convinced of that. So in 1998, it went to 625. In 1999, it went to 650. Then, as you can see, it went up. And guess who took control of Congress? And it started going up dramatically. In fact, um, 2009, it was 3,500,000. 2010, it was 5 million or unlimited. So, in other words, uh, George Steinbrenner died that year and had a $2 billion estate and there were no estate taxes because that, it, that was exempted in that particular year. Uh, then it went, uh, as you can see right now, we're looking at about 5,450,000 and anything above that would be about a 40% um, tax rate. So anything above that would be a 40% tax rate. Well, that can be doubled through the use of trusts. That's a pretty cool thing uh, because we've actually got some other things. In fact, let me just um, tell you that not only do we have to worry about federal taxes, but we also have to worry about state taxes because your state may have an estate or inheritance tax. And in fact, there's a couple of states that have both an estate tax and an inheritance tax. So that's not fun, is it? <laughs> and uh, just imagine, as you can see, most of those states are in the Northeast. I don't know where you count Kentucky, uh, but it, it, it above the Mason-Dixon line, um, then uh, you can see where the states have gotten involved in taxing folks so from Investorpedia, it says that probate proceedings can take up to a year or two. The assets are typically frozen until the courts decide on the distribution of the property. Probate can easily cost from three to 7% or more of the total estate value. And Let's just take one state as an example, California, the 4% of the first $100,000 is taxable. So in other words, that'd be 4,000, but then 3% of the next 100,000 and then 2% of the next 800,000 and then 1% of the next 9 million and then a half percent of the next 15 million and it goes up over 25 million. The court actually decides how much you have to pay. So in other words, it's that plus that plus that plus that. Imagine that. So just think to yourself, be careful what state you live in. Be careful who your legislators are because they do things like this. Now, with that said, probate can be very expensive even if the federal guidelines uh, allow you to uh, exempt that one. Well, one thing I want to let you know is that we do have a train. We only give it one time per year, and this is that time. So starting on Thursday of this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm going to be giving a four-day training on the magnificent concept and entity of trusts. Now, trusts do things for you that no other entity can do for you. Not an 
LLC, not a corporation, not a limited partnership, only a trust can protect you, give you probate avoidance, give you privacy and give you profits. So one of the things we love is to be able to take over existing financing on property. Well, guess what? A trust can do that for you. So I'd love to teach that to you. And you can go to MaximumAssetShield.com, MaximumAssetShield.com or, and these are our other upcoming events. And you can call 1-800-578-8580, 1-800-578-8580. And I'd love to, and we'll get into more discussion about privacy, about protection, about probate avoidance and about profits. And we're going to have workshops on each one of those throughout the event. In fact, what I want you to do is bring a deed with you to class. And yes, we're going to have two versions. We're going to have an in, uh, we've got a nice group of folks coming from all over the country that are going to be present during the event uh, in Atlanta. Very excited about that. And we're going to have an online version as well. So live streaming directly from the event. So definitely join us, MaximumAssetShield.com. And that's October 14, 15, 16, 17. Listen, I don't know how you could possibly put this aside. I don't know how it's something that you think you can get to later because when it's too late, it's too late. And I want you to think about your parents and your grandparents. I want you to think about and ask around if you've never lived probate, ask around. You won't have to ask too many people to, to find out somebody's story about probate. And let me tell you something, there's costs, there's delays, there's expense, and there's confusion, there's frustration, there's upsets, there's breakdowns that happen within families. All of that can be avoided using this powerful concept called trusts. So I'm definitely encouraging you, get yourself there, get your parents, get your grandparents there. This is something that you need. It's something your family needs. And it's something, frankly, that you shouldn't do without. Scott, uh, we always give people an opportunity to ask questions and hopefully I've given you guys some insight into the concept of probate and what you need to do as a real estate investor to protect your assets and to grow your assets. And, and that is the mar marvelous magnificence of those things called trust. Yeah. And we, we have a couple questions and one of them was about, uh, can you expand a little bit on how trusts, can help you not go to the bank when you're buying someone else's property? Yes. Uh, great question. And, you know, it's something that I was forced to learn way back in 1982, even before that, when I was buying my first property, I was able to take over the existing financing on the property. And that was magnificent, right? For $45, I could step in, I could take over somebody else's financing. It was fantastic. However, in 1982, they passed a law that said and gave the banks the right to put the due upon sale clause in the mortgage. And so as a result, boom, the $45 to take over somebody else's loan disappeared 
because they put the due upon sale clause in the mortgage. However, when I read the law, I discovered something amazing and powerful. And it said, except, except when you place your property in trust for estate planning purposes, the lender is prohibited from calling the loan due. And so I went, hello, I need to learn more about these things called trusts. And that's what forced me to go out there and learn about the most amazing entity on the planet. I was actually forced to do it by a law. And I'm telling you, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. So the answer is that a seller can, could place their property in trust. And then rather than you purchasing the real estate, you could actually purchase the beneficial interest of that trust. So when you purchase that beneficial interest, that is not published on public record. So therefore the lender would not be aware that anyone else was actually the beneficiary of that trust. And what's great. And of course, in documentation and step-by-step -step processes and formulas. And of course, this is something that we've done now for decades and I will, hasten to say that certainly that law could have been changed since 1982, but it never has been. And here's the reason I think, because the banks actually benefit from it. Think about it. If you come along and you're interested in a property and it's behind in payments, 5,000, 10,000, $20,000 behind in payments, the people are living in the house, they're not making the payments and the bank is hurting because they're not receiving those payments. Then you come along as an investor, you're able to take over that existing loan. Now what's in it for you? Well, you just save thousands of dollars on getting a brand new loan from the bank because you're not having to pay all these points, closing costs, origination fees, all the things that typically go with creating a loan. So you step in, you take over, you pay the seller, whatever they want. You're taking over the existing, or whatever you negotiate, whatever problem you're solving for them as a result of you buying that property. And now you take over what? The payments on that loan. However, you're also going to reinstate that loan in most cases. So if you reinstate that loan, well, hello, the bank just won, didn't they? They just got a big fat payment and they're now going to get consistent regular payments. So the bank wins. Now you win because you didn't have to pay points, closing costs, origination fees, and all that stuff. You didn't have to put up your credit report. You didn't have a delay in acquiring the asset and the seller benefits too. They got rid of their property. They got rid of their headache and you can even pay them more in circumstances where you can take over the existing fin financing. Now think of this and because maybe they were behind in payments and now you've reinstated the loan. What does that do for their credit? And think about this every month, month after month, you're making those payments on time. What does that do for the seller's credit? That makes the seller's credit go up. So I call this a win, win, win. Everybody wins in this deal. And so all I ask you to do is when I teach this to you and I do have the documentation and you're going to use that, just know that your commitment is to make those payments, make those payments, make those payments on time, help that seller out, help them restore their credit, help them build their credit. And at the same time, look what you've done. The bank wins. 
because they're receiving pay payments now, regular payments. The community wins because that could be a foreclosure. That could be some kind of vacant property that the bank takes on. And who knows how long it would be before they fix it up and rent it out or sell it and, and put it back into circulation. And you come along and you actually are helping the community with housing. So there's a lot of wins in here. Everybody wins. And I just encourage you to learn more about that. That is a big session that I'm going to do during the Maximum Asset Shield training as well. Great question. And Lou, we had another question from Melissa. And uh, you're just talking about win, 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 win. And it strikes me that if you have to go through probate, that's probably a lose, 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 lose. <laughs> and so Melissa's thinking along the same lines. And she says, how come the lawyer who wrote up my will for me that I signed uh -huh. never told me about probate? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Melissa, that's a great question. And the answer is because whenever your family needs uh, an attorney to help with the probate, guess what they do? They open up that will and they see who draw, drew up that will and they call that attorney. So what happens is the attorney says, I'll be glad to help you with your situation. We're going to go ahead and open probate and I'll manage that process. And as you just saw through Wikipedia, that that can be quite an expensive process, three to 7% of the value of the estate. So we're, if it's a hundred thousand dollar estate, that could be three to $7,000. If it's a million dollar estate, oh my gosh, we're talking about very serious. Think about three to 7% of a million dollar estate or a $2 million estate or a $5 million estate, $10 million estate. So in other words, <laughs> to be honest with you, Melissa, if I was an attorney, I would give away for $10 maybe uh, doing people's wills because I'd be able to stamp my name all over that will and I'd be giving them out. I'd, I'd set up a card table at Walmart. This <laughs> is free wills, free wills, $10 processing or something like that. But uh, uh, you know, it's just amazing what happens when someone's name gets on the documentation is the family says, Oh, well, they knew what mama wanted to do. So we're going to definitely call this attorney and here we go. And that's when they get their big payday. So sorry that your attorney didn't tell you that Melissa, but smart that you're on here today to learn more about it because there is a real solution. And once you set yourself up using trusts, you will have taken advantage of that great solution that exists for everyone. However, not everyone knows about it. So Lou, we've come to the end of our time together today. And uh, one, uh, one last question was, what are we going to be talking about next week? So next, next Tuesday is October 19th, and we're going to be talking about finding deals. So you know that we have a whole series that we're doing, 10 steps to buy your first big real estate deal and certainly things that you need to take into consideration in order to buy those deals and to protect yourself and to protect your family. So now we'll be moving to step seven. Where are those great deals? And that's next week. Yeah, baby. <laughs>